Kevin found it in his grandparents' scummy old pond. He'd been chaining a pack of ten and watching the butts drift across the nebulous waters when he spotted it. Dark and flat, floating motionlessly on the surface. Had it been there a moment ago? He must have missed it. By the way, it certainly wasn't a piece of broken fence or a branch. There was no telling what the crazy bitch had thrown into the water before she went AWOL. Could be something valuable. He snatched up a long-handled net leaning against the nearby fence and fished the object out of the water. It was a box. The surface was slick with slime and algae, and the keyhole was clogged with silt and dirt. But he thought the craftsmanship looked fine nonetheless and decided to work on opening it later, providing the hinges weren't rusted shut. He would have asked the old woman about it, but obviously that wasn't possible. His grandmother was gone, most likely dead. He thought her only neighbor probably was too, judging by the dilapidated state of the only other house he'd passed on his way here. The damn roof had practically collapsed in on itself, Running the pads of his fingers across the box's surface, he thought, I'll ask Granddad next time I visit, if I could get a sane word out of the old relic. But he only visited the Blackwood home, with its grimy walls, grim-faced orderlies, and iota-form-scented corridors once a year. And only then, if he could help it. He hoped the old man would die soon. 30 miles was a hell of a trip to make every July. More to the point, he supposed, was that he was scared. Scared that one year he would arrive with his customary cheap card and even cheaper present, only to find the old sailor lucid enough to ask him about that night. About the break-in and the masked intruder who had beaten an old woman unconscious before stomping on an old man's head until it cracked like a rotten egg, until pieces of brain were splattered all over the linoleum like yesterday's porridge, or ask him how the intruder had known to look for their jewelry and cash in the nook beneath the kitchen sink. His grandmother had disappeared shortly afterwards, vanishing without even a single goodbye. Only now, seven years on, had she finally been declared dead in absentia. He stowed the box in his backpack alongside with the few odds and ends he'd found that looked remotely valuable. A gold, he didn't know if it was real though, plated fountain pen engraved with the date, 1307-83. That was meaningless to him. A paled-skinned porcelain doll in a frilled baby blue dress with dirty golden ringlets, which he'd wrapped in an old t-shirt to hide its unerring grin. An elaborate silver frame containing a photograph of all the grandchildren and the smiling grandparents. He'd thrown the photograph away. There were other things as well. He wasn't sure if they would be worth anything, and as such hadn't bothered with them. Mostly the house had been crammed with junk, sentimental shit acquired during his granddad's naval career. Boxes and boxes of washed out photographs, amateur oil paintings of ships and lighthouses and anchors, 
pieces of driftwood lashed together and mounted on the walls. Coils of rope thicker than Kevin's leg. An enormous rusted anchor in the basement. How the ladder had found its way through the narrow doorway and down the rickety flight of stairs, well, he didn't know. His Nikes were still damp from slogging around up to his ankles in water while he was down there. The foundation was probably subsiding by now. A bird cawed overhead, snapping Kevin from his thoughts. He ran a tattooed hand across this shaved head, which was dripping with sweat. There was nothing else out here. He decided instead to dry out his shoes and eat. As he crossed the threshold, he thought he saw a drape in the hall twitch, and the scent of iodine seemed to linger in the air. But of course, that wasn't possible, and seconds later, the smell was gone. Kevin was slouched in his granddad's high-backed chair next to the patio doors with his muddy shoes. He'd changed out of his Nikes, propped on the once pristine coffee table, and a greasy slice of pizza dripping between his fingers. Old sea charts and framed navigational maps, cracked and yellowing with faint blue ink barely visible, adorned every wall. A brazen brass telescope was mounted above the empty fireplace, and a score of wooden ships dotted the mantle. Pieces of rigging hung from the low ceiling, and fat black spiders made their homes amidst the dark wooden joists. The whole place stank of salt and damp wood, and the wooden fishermen in every room, with their pointed beards and jovial eyes, were downright spooky. He turned three of them around to face the wall already, but there were dozens he'd missed. Mildew ran rampant in the corners and dark places of the house. He hadn't expected to find any medals. He knew they'd all be revoked following the old man's dishonorable discharge. Kevin didn't really know all the details, nor did he care to. A bound man thrown into the Atlantic, another drowned just off the coast of China, and a third keel hauled halfway across the Baltic Sea. His granddad had been implicated in all three, alongside six other men, although none of them had ever been formally charged. The whole thing had been swiftly hushed over. Probably the old man got what he deserved. Unlike me, Kevin thought. So far, all I've got is shit. And that was when he remembered the box. He rummaged through the backpack with his free hand, upturning a nearby vase filled with wilted daffodils with his elbow before his fingers closed around the slimy surface. He was still scraping the last of the muck from the lid, using a blunted knitting needle some time later, when the last rays of the setting sun reflected off the pond's surface, staining the garden in ominous reddish bronze. The box was much more detailed than he'd first thought, it was definitely worth something. The sides were etched with waves and whirlpools of the minutest detail, from which vague suggestions of great serpents and other beasts emerged. And once the lid was fully uncovered, it proved equally breathtaking. A raging tempest, painfully detailed, littered with hundreds of shattered galleons, 
In the center, blackness, a perfectly circular piece of dark stone set into the wood. Kevin ran his fingers across it. It was cool to the touch, surprisingly so, but still, there remained the problem of opening it. Kevin knew that he could force it, but that risked damaging the box and its contents. Because the box was heavy, it had real weight to it. There was something in there. He'd get some rest for half an hour or so, then have a look around for the key. Tilting his head back, he shut his eyes and drifted off to sleep. Kevin dreamed of waves. He was adrift in a tiny rowboat on a black ocean that extended as far as he could see in every direction. Dark clouds scudded across the sky, and thunderheads the color of bruises grumbled ominously. But wait, what was wrong? The ocean wasn't black. There was something moving beneath his boat, an unimaginable mass that darkened the water and rolled the surface. He felt the boat rise beneath him, and he was pitched backwards into the abyssal waters. He was sinking, sinking, sinking to the depths, and something was moving down there, rushing through the darkness towards him. He opened his mouth to scream and the water poured in. The bright white light hurt his eyes. Kevin blinked like a mole dazed by a torch. And then the world swam into focus. He was hunched over in front of the tiny window in the attic, affording him a perfect view of the moonlit garden and the mirrored surface of the pond. It was strange how it looked so much bigger from up here. So much more oceanic. What the hell was he doing up here anyway? And what was that noise? A soft, mournful tinkling, like putting your ear to a seashell or standing on the deck of a fishing boat in a light autumn rain. It was beautiful, yet it chilled him to his very core. The box lay open at his feet, illuminated in a small pool of moonlight. The inside was a single compartment of plain wood, completely devoid of any carvings or images, and something silver was rotating slowly in the center. He reached for it with a shaking hand, and that was when the surface of the pond began to move. A score of ripples spread across the still waters. A huge mass began to coalesce, moving sluggishly beneath the surface. Something sleek and dark broke the surface, lashing out and decapitating a nearby stone cherub. Kevin watched, transfixed, as a smaller shape crawled forth from the water, moving with hunched deliberation across the lawn. The moonlight threw too many details into stark clarity. Blackened skin like worn leather, bedraggled wisps of hair, sagging lichen-covered breasts and arthritic hands curled into claws. His grandmother stopped next to the headless cherub and looked up at the window, her eyes flaring with a hellish intensity, and smiled. Her teeth were mossy gravestone nubs, her wrinkled gray flesh of her thighs gave way to yellowing bones. Long silvery worms slithered through the hollow places of her body, and something 
many-legged and glistening, emerged from a hole in the side of her skull and skittered sideways across her chest. Something that looked like a starfish clung to the side of her neck, but starfish didn't have mouths bulging with razor-sharp fangs. She crooked a gnarled finger at him. Come on down, Sonny. Let's have us a little chit-chat by the water's edge. Behind her, the pond had swollen to monstrous proportions, the banks having long since fallen away. Water was spilling across the grass and onto the patio, jetting forth in geysers from the rapidly collapsing lawn. The sort of fish he'd seen on Discovery's deep-sea programs were floundering on the grass, phosphorescent and eyeless, utterly hideous. A crab the size of an alstacean scuttled across the lawn and disappeared into the shrubbery. The night itself seemed to take a deep breath, and the stars were snuffed out like so many tiny candles. Something gargantuan beyond comprehension broke the water's surface. Piscine and loathsome, it bellowed an atavistic rage. The sound was deafening, like a blast from a ship's horn. He had the sense of something crossed between an octopus and a dinosaur. No, that wasn't right. The anatomy was all wrong. He felt his mind slipping away like an eel between his fingers. This couldn't be happening. He was dreaming. Yeah, that was it. Of tentacles thicker than tree trunks and long, spindly arms at least three times the length of a stallion's foreleg, and ending in webbed claws the size of car bonnets. Then the poignant tang of iodine once more filled his nostrils, and he knew he wasn't dreaming. Something shuffled across the floorboards behind him. Wet breathing, coming in short, shallow gulps like a fish out of water, and the squeak of rusty casters across rough wood. The horror outside seemed to grow dim as Kevin turned to face his granddad. The old man's piss-stained hospital Johnny fluttered in the draft from the window, exposing the wrinkled flesh of his thighs and buttocks. An IV pole trailed behind him. The bags deflated and crumpled. Tubes hung like transparent veins from his forearms, despite everything that was happening. And just how the hell had the old man had gotten out? Kevin found his eyes immediately drawn to the side of his granddad's head. The side that was misshapen and crumbled, like a trodon tin can. There was no guilt, only remorse. He should have done things properly. He should have hit him harder. He should have fucking killed him. Kevin stumbled to his feet as his granddad advanced across the cramped attic, and the old man was grinning, his saturnine features more animated than Kevin had seen them in all the years he'd visited him at the Blackwood home. There, he'd merely lain motionless and slack-jawed, drooling into a pillow that Kevin longed to hold over his face, and shitting himself on an hourly basis. There was water dripping through cracks in the roof now, and Kevin became aware not only of a sudden sense of scrutiny, but of an enormous pressure bearing down upon him. A tidal wave crashing over a coastal city, 
a force of incomprehensible enormity. The grinning specter before him fell to his knees with a sickening crack, sending the ivy pole clattering across the floor. Splinters of bright white bone jutted from the old man's kneecaps, and somewhere in the gloom, the water box continued to sing its funeral song. For a second, Kevin could have sworn he heard waves crashing against the side of the house, and then the light disappeared. The room was engulfed in darkness, total and complete, and he found himself unable to see further than the tip of his nose. He could hear the old man's labored breathing, moving closer now. The sickly sweet stench of rotten gums and decaying teeth filled his nostrils, accompanied by the grate of bone against wood. In desperation, he whirled toward the window and discovered why the world had gone dark. The thing from the deep opened a cyclopean eye, and the attic was bathed in ultramarine. His granddad, from the darkness, a rasp more like a rusted chain being lowered than a human voice. This was followed by a wheezy chuckling, a sound like water on the lung. Then, the roof exploded in a shower of tiles and wood, drowning out the guttural intonation, and an unimaginable pressure seized Kevin about the waist. His ribs snapped like matchsticks as he was lifted into the air. Red water spread across his vision. Only it wasn't water. It was blood. Through a haze of scarlet, he beheld a maw dripping with brine that was large enough to swallow an estate car and change. The stench was almost as overpowering as the pain crushing his torso, a thousand dead gulls rotting beneath the summer sun. There was water everywhere, gushing from the pond at an impossible rate, and the garden now looked more like a small lake. Through a curtain of pain, he could vaguely discern his grandmother scaling the thing's vast body like a withered brown spider. Kevin understood, in his final moments, that there was truly a god. But he didn't love, and he certainly didn't forgive. He was an old god, a god of the deep whose fury against those above would be both beautiful and terrible to behold. He was death. Kevin's shoulders dislocated with twin pops, and waves of searing agony rushed over him. Then he was gone, lost in pain and darkness. He died slowly. He died without hope. Nisrash dropped the shattered human into the rushing water threw back its head and roared with the wind. Rain poured from the sky, a hammering deluge that would, in the weeks to come, become a global catastrophe. One of the seven walked the earth once more, and it would bring with it an ocean unending and suffering unbound. Rain poured through the space where the attic roof had been, beating a relentless tattoo against the wooden floor, 
A torrent of water smashed through the patio doors, flooding the lower floor of the house and gushing out into the road. And amidst it all, the music box continued to sing.